0: Good morning and Happy New Year. Year. We are live via satellite to our campuses on the west side of Green Bay and over in Stevens Point. Glad all of you are joining together with us. Good to see you here this morning. Let's all stand together and make a proclamation of our faith. This is where we all stand together wherever we're gathered in a celebration church and all together make our proclamation with the Apostles' Creed. This is who we are. This is what we believe. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may all be seated. Well, thanks for making it out on this slightly dreary morning. We had a. a real small turnout in the first service today, <laughs> which is always brutal for me. You know, there, there's a certain amount of energy that uh, occurs the larger the crowd is, and when you have a real small crowd, it's like everyone's on morphine. <laughs> <And> it was like, <laughs> like it reminded me last set, set service of speaking at a, you know, a nursing home. <laughs> My goodness gracious, you know. God bless the prayer. It's not usually like that, but it was, it was rough, you know. I don't know if you've ever spoken in a nursing home, but it's quite the challenge. You know, there's a few people who are really aware and are listening, and then there's half a dozen that are sleeping, and then there's a bunch who have no idea why they're there at all. <laughs> the last time I, I did that, I thought, well, I'll, I'll beef it up a little bit. I'll sit down and play the piano. They'll enjoy that. Well, as soon as I start playing the piano, one of the residents just starts screaming, Stop him! Stop him! He's gonna break the piano! He's gonna, no. He kept that up the entire time! Stop him! Stop him! Anyway, so thank you for being here now. (laughs) People I can talk to that are awake. Uh, pray for me. Anyway, uh, this morning, uh, I want to read to you a verse of scripture from found in Luke, the sixth chapter, the gospel of Luke. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He looks at them and he says, blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are poor. I mean, nobody wants to be poor, right? But he says, blessed are you who are poor. Actually, he didn't squeak like that. He said, blessed are you. Not blessed are you. I don't know why you come. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Uh, it's, It's hard to not be aware of a lot of the fear and the paranoia that is going on today as you watch the media and uh, you listen to everybody speaking doom and gloom about the economy and how it's only going to get worse and la, 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 la. And of course, if you're the kind of person who had a bunch of money in, in the stock market, you watch that fly away like a little bird. Uh, and, and it can be a little frustrating and, and a little frightening as you listen to these people and, and stuff. But uh, this last week, I was talking to somebody about it and... Uh, sharing some of the neat provisions and wonderful miracles that God has done in our lives and, I, and it dawned on me as I was sharing I said you know the, truly the greatest miracles in our lives always occurred when we were absolutely the poorest and the most miserable at the time stands to reason right if you're going to experience a miracle, you first of all have to need a miracle. Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to have to have a miracle. But you cannot have one without the other. It's like everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. All right? But you can't get one without the other. And uh, I thought this, as I was sharing with this person uh, some of the stories that I uh, have experienced, I thought I'd share some of these uh, with you this morning, some of you have heard some of these before, but uh it's okay um, but when when Deb and I first graduated from high school back when the uh, dinosaurs still roamed the earth, and uh we uh we joined a ministry that was intentionally poor, in other words. It, they didn't want any money. We, we weren't, it wasn't one of these things where you went in and we had raised our support ahead of time or any of that. The actual thinking of the ministry, the culture was, man, let's just get rid of everything. Let's go and let's trust God and uh, and not have uh, uh, any money at all and, and see what God does in our lives. And really during that period of time, we experienced some really just incredible uh, miracles as we would trust God in the midst of our need uh, now that it wasn't just artificial we instead of spending time making money and doing all this other stuff we decided to preach the gospel to minister to people hence the intentionality it wasn't about let's just be poor but it's, let's just go serve God and not worry about money and our first uh and part of us kind of the sign of the times too I mean we were basically we're hippies uh, for Jesus and everybody was kind of getting rid of uh yeah yeah we got one hippie in the back there um, <laughs> a brother in the Lord but uh but we were we were just hippies for Jesus and uh, and hippies kind of didn't want stuff anyway but Deb's and I's first home uh after we got married was an eight by ten tent and we literally lived in this tent uh 365 days a year as we were traveling around the country and stuff like that, going to different cities and preaching and sharing with, uh, there was a whole bunch of people. At one time, there were 200 of us, actually. It got to be quite a large group. But uh, we were traveling around, and sometimes there were a few of us, sometimes there were lots of us, but uh, uh, as, as uh, they sent us out going into different areas to preach and share the gospel. And uh, I, about a year or so into the deal, um, we were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we were going down to fort lauderdale florida like to be there this morning but fort lauderdale florida to to uh have a meeting there and uh, uh and, and share with people about jesus there so we had left fort lauderdale now by, by this time we had really climbed up the ladder in life we weren't just in a tent anymore we had a bus okay now now we're not talking the kind of bus that you know you know, successful country singers drive around in, you know, these multi-million dollar palaces on wheels. We're talking like a school bus. Actually, ours was half of a school bus. You know, like those mini bus kind of things, you know? And uh, it was an old beater that we basically transformed, and we were living in this thing. And so we took off to go down to Fort Lauderdale. It was myself, Debbie, and a friend of ours. And uh, uh, now if you're going from Chattanooga down to Fort Lauderdale, there's four-lane roads all the way down there, but back then it was just the two lane, and you had to go through, go climb up and over a mountain on the south side of Chattanooga called Lookout Mountain, and it was a fairly steep mountain. I don't know how many of you have ever been on one of these mountain passes, nowadays the roads are pretty good, but some of you guys my age and older remember climbing through mountains when there were just two lanes. How many of you ever been through that joyful? So yeah, what a fun trip that is, because you're basically in low gear the whole time climbing up. And it takes forever to get up there. It's like, you know, and squirrels and chickens are passing you and stuff. You know, you're like, speed, slow down, you know, and you finally get to the top of the mountain. And then there is this transforming experience where you go from crawling to going extremely fast as you're riding the brakes coming down the mountain, now going. Ah! Now, you know, back then, we were men in America and we didn't bother ourselves with things like guardrails and things, you know. just So, you know, here we had on one side was sheer rock and on the other side was ah! So we're riding going, whoa, just cruising down and all of a sudden smoke starts pouring out of the engine. And I can barely see. This is bad. And I'm, ah, and it's like, you know, you just don't pull over at a rest stop here. There's nothing up there. And there's really even no room because there's sheer rock. And, oh! Ah! so we're going, and all of a sudden through the smoke, there's this little opening as we're coming around the corner. I went, ah! And, ah, we quick pulled in and brought the thing to a stop. Ah! 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 And I got out. And I open the hood because I'm a man. Soy hombre. That's what we do. We look at engines because we're men. Because I have no idea what any of it means. But I'm looking. The only thing I know is to check the oil, right? That that was it. (laughs) The, The extent of my manliness so I decided to check the oil, and, and there's not a drop of oil in the engine. So, I think I found the problem. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but it, it was problematic because we, we had no oil with us, and uh, <laughs> we had no money with us, and uh, there were no cell phones at the time, and we didn't have CB radios. I mean, you're just stuck on top of the mountain until somebody comes up to get you. Uh, and it wasn't like you could just wave somebody down because everybody's going by, yay, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And, and uh, this, this, this is a drag. And, you know, you have visions of living in a bus for the rest of your life. And your kids are going to call you ma and pa and you're going to eat, eat those squirrels that were passing you on the other side of the mountain and <laughs> become hillbillies. And so I said, well, we better pray. So we got together and we prayed and said, Father, we pray, number one, someone will come back up the mountain when they see us go, and they'll help us. And number two, we pray, they'll just happen to have some oil in their trunk. Number three, we pray they'll give it to us because we got no money. And number four, you know, why stop now? (laughs) We pray it'll be someone who needs to get saved and he'll ask Jesus into his heart. Amen. And I looked at the guys. Uh Dev and the Southern guy I started giggling and I thought, <laughs> It'll be well before that bird gets answered, you know. But so anyway, we kick back and you know, getting ready to turn in a ma and pa kettle up there and about twenty minutes you hear this car go Arr! and he pulls into the gravel in front of the bus going, Yes. And we cook quick run out and here's this, you know, southern boy gets out and he says, Hey y'all, how y'all doing? I said, "Well, we got some problems." He said, yeah, I saw you the first time I went by. I couldn't, couldn't stop. So I had to come back up the mountain, make sure y'all were okay. And I go, yes. So he came over and he looked at the engine with me because, soy hombres, we're both men. And he says, "What's the problem?" He says, "We don't have any oil." He says, "Wow." He says, I, I you know, I, I got some oil in my trunk." And uh, I said, wow, I said, but we, we don't have any money. And he goes, oh, that's okay, I'll just give it to y'all. So the thing took five quarts of oil. There was no oil in this engine. And, uh, and then he gave us the rest of the case. He had a whole case of oil in his trunk. And, uh, and then he's getting ready to hop in his car and leave. I said, hey, hold on just a second. He says, yes, sir. I, says, I said, we're, we're Christians. He says, yes, sir. I said, well, when we got stuck up here, we prayed. And we prayed, number one, that... God had sent somebody back up the mountain number two that he just happened to have some oil number three that he'll give it to us because we've got no money. His eyes are big as saucers. I said, we prayed one other thing. He says, what was that? (laughs) I said, we we prayed and and said that it would be someone who needed Jesus in his life. I said, do you know Jesus is your savior? He goes, no, sir. (laughs) I said, would you like to? He goes, yes, sir, I would. That was it, man. No preaching, no arguing, no debating. No, you know, handing out tracks. So we just got down on our hands and knees and on the side of that mountain, and we're praying. And, and tears just coming down this guy's cheeks. And, and he asked Jesus in his life. And we got him, we hugged him, and he got in his car and went off, and we hopped in our bus and got all the way to Fort Lauderdale. didn't burn any more oil at all. It was just one of those freaky, Things I have no idea who he is. We'll see him someday in heaven. But God does cool things when you need him, if you don't freak out. Because a lot of people—let me show you how a lot of people would have lived out that scenario. We got no oil in the in the, in the thing. What are you, some kind of idiot? Didn't you check before we left? <laughs> don't yell at me, woman. I didn't know it was going to buy. What are you, a moron? Now what are we gonna do? Anybody lived that life before? <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to die up in this mountain. We're going to turn into mom, mom, kettle and, and eat them chickens. <laughs> That's the way most people respond under pressure. But if you'll just not freak out, give God a chance to move in your life. You have to remember, it's not crying and freaking that gets God's attention. If it were crying and freaking out that gets God's attention, there'd be miracles everywhere. Because <laughs> people everywhere are frying, crying and freaking out about life. It's faith, the Bible tells us, that gets God's attention. About a year later, we were in uh, Europe. We were traveling around uh, doing some ministry there. And uh, we were getting close to the uh, Iron Curtain. Uh, Communist Europe at, at the time. A lot of you guys will remember that. And uh, they didn't like Westerners and were very anti-God and didn't want anything to do with the Bible. And uh, Christianity, by and large, was, was outlawed. And uh, you couldn't do things like, you know, get Bibles and stuff in. And we had heard from someone there that there were a group of Christians uh, in this particular country that were in great need of Bibles and, and Christian literature. So we decided we were going to smuggle Uh, bibles and stuff into this communist country so we had the bus and it was a big bus now and then then, uh, they had uh, you know the bays and we filled the bays with tracts and bibles and all kinds of stuff and then we packed luggage all around it uh, and we're now headed toward the border and uh, we were tense to say the least because this was against the law You say, well, should you break the law? Ordinarily, you should not. But at some point, there's a difference when you need to obey God more than you need to obey man. And we read about that in the Bible, and we're going to advance the kingdom of God. So we were going to take these Bibles into these Christians. Uh, And it was a dangerous thing. I I knew of of people who had been arrested doing this and uh, thrown in prison, and uh, these weren't nice places. uh, But we were determined we wanted to help these people. So we were... uh, we got the thing loaded up and we're headed toward the border we're a couple of miles out and, uh, and uh, you know you're starting to get nervous because of where you're going there's about 20 of us I guess going in and we, uh, we finally came to the border and we were in line you know and, and these guys you know these guards were all getting on all these vehicles and checking them all out and we're getting you know kind of a little skittish about the thing and, and I looked at everybody around us we all look guilty <laughs> <laughs> you know if you're gonna smuggle Bibles don't look guilty so I said, you guys, man, we got to lighten up a little bit. So I grabbed my banjo and we started playing. And I started playing, you get light, I'll get a pull, honey. You get loud, I'll get a pole, babe. We started singing, we all clapping and singing. Just trying to relax and started laughing and giggling. And all of a sudden, this guard jumps on the bus. We just kept singing. He looked at us. And then he started poking down the middle of the bus. <laughs> He got to the end, he looked at us again, and he poked it back. When he got done, he jumped off the bus and said, okay, go on through. He didn't look at anything. We could have been taking in thermonuclear warheads into the country. He didn't look at a passport, nothing. The guy just jumped on, danced down the aisle, danced back out, and jumped off and said, go on in. We just thought that was a miracle. <laughs> little miracles. God coming to our defense, helping us when we had very little resources to do things on our own. I remember a few years later, we had, uh, by this time we're living in Wisconsin, we'd moved to Marshville, Wisconsin, actually, and uh, helping my brother with a church there, although we weren't in ministry at the time, we were out of ministry, and we had our own business. I had a, a little video production company, and a little music company, which Anyway, nothing huge to speak of, but uh it was it was tough times man i I tell you, I know what it's like to start a business. it is hard, hard, lot easier to work for somebody else when they keep bringing you the checks. you know what I'm saying because when business gets hard, you own your own business, there's no money, there's no money and i mean it it was tough times, and uh we struggled, but God was there, and he, and he would answer prayers and pull us through. But there were times, you know, it was rough. I I remember, you know, we'd go to bed at night and I'd look over to Deb and I'd start to tell her how horrible things were. And she would just smile and say, praise the Lord, it'll be all right. And she'd roll over and go to sleep. And it it would really tick me off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, come on worry with me a little bit, you know, a little panic, a little, you know what I'm saying? Because when you're freaking out and other people don't freak out, it makes you mad it does you know. I should have been more spiritual but I wasn't I was freaking out and I'm trying to get her to freak out with me she refused oh it's going to be good God's going to take care of us and just and uh, you know, then, so we're, we're in this place and we're paying really low rent thank God because we had very little money but then they sold the house we were renting you know that happens and so we get booted out of that place and we find another place to rent but the rent was a lot more money which at now is like nothing but at the time it was $400 a month which to us at that time was like overwhelming and uh, it was a real bad time, and it all happened right when we just, we, you know, some people owed us money. We weren't able to collect from it yet, and we had nothing. And uh, we needed $400 for the first rent, and, and I, we prayed together. We asked God to provide for us and help us because we needed $400. So anyway, the next day, we start moving in. It was on a Saturday, and I figured, well, I had at least till Monday. Before the landlord would ask for the money, because we had no money, and I didn't know what we were going to do, and and we're trusting God, and we're loading the place up, and uh, and this guy, he he shows up, he, he pulls in front of the house, he's got a, a Cadillac, and he climbs out, a real tall guy, and he's got a cowboy hat on and stuff and boots and stuff, and he comes over, he says, now you're the guy who's got that recording studio in town, right? I said, yeah. He says, he said, well, I want to make a record, I'll make me a country music record. And I said, well, that'd be great because, you know, it's, we needed work, any kind of work. And so I thought, well, at least there's light at the end of the tunnel. And, and, but he says, but I, f- I feel like I need to give you some money right now. And I, just, and I said, okay. So he whips out his wallet and he says, well, just to get started, here's one, two, three, $400 bills. And handed them to me and hopped in his Cadillac and drove away. And I walked up to the landlord's door, and I knocked. And he opened the door, and I went, here. <laughs> and he said, you always pay in cash? Not usually. No. <laughs> We're just praising God. Little miracles, little miracles. Again, I wish I had time to go. We got so many stories. And, and I'll share them from time to time as, as we go along. But. It's hard not to notice that some of the greatest miracles in our lives came when we were the most poor and the most desolate. Now, does that mean we should cherish poverty? Who, God forbid. I mean, it's not the kind of thing that you want. In fact, eventually, as you continue to serve God, those miracles start turning into blessings, and the poverty leaves, and you don't need quite so many miracles anymore. But you have to stand in faith. And what you need to really avoid, particularly as we go into this year that might bring hardship to some, is don't view hardship as a sign that God has forsaken you. He has not. Peter writes about it. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial. Why? Because when a painful trial comes, it's like, whoa, what happened? Why is this happening? It's a shock. It's an amazement. It's a surprise. Not a good surprise. Don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though it something strange were happening to you. He's trying to let him know, look, this is kind of normal. This is normal. God tests our faith. And he uses the analogy, we're going to read about it in just a second here, but about how our, our faith goes through difficult times to test us. And it's like gold. When you take gold, the way you turn it into pure gold is you take gold and you apply fire and heat and you melt it down and you start to burn off all the dross and all the impurities and stuff and melt it all away until all you have left is pure gold. That's what God is trying to do in some of your lives. The good news is at the end, you have pure gold. The bad news is sometimes it gets really, really hot and can be quite miserable. Peter talks about it. he says praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time in this you greatly rejoice he says though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Why? Why do these happen? He says, these have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, that your faith may be proved genuine, that it might turn to gold and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Do not view difficulties as a sign that God has forsaken you. Though you may suffer for a while, he will never allow anything to come your way that's more than you can handle. It's a wonderful promise in the Bible. It says, I will, God will never allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. You know, sometimes you, you wonder and, and you say, well, man, how, how come? bad things happen to really good people you know here's a really nice couple they're faithful to God and all of a sudden difficult times comes maybe it's not financial maybe it's cancer maybe it's, you know who knows what it is some real horrible challenge and you go wow they were such nice people how could that happen to them but you have to understand something when you see a situation like that these are people whom God has gifted given them the grace to endure whatever fiery trial they're going through so that in the end they will become even more pure gold in their lives bottom line you have to always remember this God is not going to abandon you but when you first encounter difficulties you have to make a choice there is a split there's a pause you know it's kind of like a Car wreck. I don't know if you've ever been to a car wreck. It's like everything's like slow motion. There's this moment at the beginning of tragedy where you have to make a choice. Am I going to trust God? Are we going to celebrate God's goodness through the midst of our troubles, or am I going to freak and cry and get angry and point and accuse? Why is this? happening to me. Sadly, most people of faith do the latter. And they struggle. And it seems like they're constantly stuck dealing with the same tests. You know what happens if you flunk a test? You have to take it over again. You know what I'm talking about? And if you flunk it again, you know what happens? Then you have to take it again. Some, you know, it's like... I know some people who, uh, actually my wife, (laughs) what if she flunked her driving test like three times in a row or something? She kept crashing into things. (laughs) None of it was her fault. If you listen to her side of the story, it's quite fascinating, but there's something about crashing into things or running over things that they tend to fail you. What happens? You've got to take the test again. How many of you nailed the test first time, yeah, a lot better. It's a lot better just to pass it the one time and then to move on. Same thing in the testing of your faith because if you don't learn to celebrate God and trust God, even in the midst of struggles and pain, it will be a lesson and a test you'll have to keep taking over and over and over again better to take it the first time and to move on God is faithful we'll read about this in Hebrews he says let keep your lives free from the love of money why because it's, it's something that you love that can be taken from you at any moment you know uh, you know a lot I know a lot of you here had money in the stock market uh Deb and I had some not, not a lot but uh you know you keep putting money in every month and, and the balance kept getting smaller <laughs> And it's like, this really kind of stinks, you know, what's the deal here? Uh, some of you, that's affected dramatically. Some of, you know, I have friends who've lost hundreds of 1000s of that a lot of money in the first place, but a lot of money. Kissing it goodbye. Now, hopefully, the thing will all come back. I'm optimistic that it will. But uh, it can freak you out but don't love something you can't control. Don't love something that's here one minute and gone the next and stuff. So while it's important, he says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now, easier to do when you have a lot. (laughs) When you don't have a lot, not so easy to be content with a little. But the boss just be content with where you're at in life, with what you have. Why? How can I do this? Because he says, because God has said this, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And let me end with this scripture from Psalms. This is King David writing. You know, the fear that throws into your heart is that you will be so devastated and abandoned that you won't recover. But David wrote this. He says, I was young and now I am old. Sounds like Pastor Lathan. (laughs) <laughs> i'm right behind him anyway i was young and now i am old yet he says in other words he says i've lived a long time i and he says and i have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread he will never leave you he will never forsake you And if you are faced with tough times in this new year, always look at it as this is an opportunity for a miracle in our lives. I'm gonna ask our ushers at this time to come and get ready to serve communion at all our different campuses. And uh, the musicians can come back to the platform and get ready to play uh, for our time of uh, communion this morning. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. Where are you at this morning? There's really two categories of people I want to speak to this morning. Those who have experienced Christ in your life and those who have not. But for those of you who have, don't let difficulties rob you of your joy. A man's life does not... Consists in the abundance of his possessions it's not things that make us who we are we have the wonderful grace of God living in our lives his love for us his care for us is what makes life worth living uh, so as, as things come your way and, and challenges might come man just hang in there look for opportunities for miracles look for God's hand I can tell you, in all the stories that I have and Deb and I have had over these the last 35 plus years, <laughs> uh, every one of these stories, we would be encountered with these incredible, crazy circumstances. But our approach has always been, let's look. Where's God? Where's God? You know, the Bible. God says this. He says, "Seek for me. Seek for me." Have you ever played hide and seek? have you? most of us have played hide and seek you know what happens in hide and seek the guy you're seeking hides (laughs) don't freak out when it feels like God is hiding on you remember it's just a game of hide and seek when it seems like he disappears go oh okay 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 I'm in (laughs) where are you I know you're you gotta be here somewhere and the Bible says if you seek me with all your heart you will find me see the good news is the game is rigged he wants you to find him hallelujah do not lose heart be encouraged all right now for the next group who have never really experienced Christ in your life? You can. True Christianity is about experiencing God, not about learning about religion. It's about experiencing God and letting Him transform your life, forgiving you of your sins and giving you new hope. This is what we celebrate when we take communion His body was broken on the cross, His blood was shed for us. So that we could have forgiveness of sins. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. There's nothing you can do. We are all hopelessly doomed on our own strength. The good news. And that's what gospel means. It means good news. The good news is you don't have to earn it. It's been earned for you already. In the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. And I'm going to invite everybody to pray this prayer with us this morning. But if you're here this morning and you... Uh, have never truly surrendered your heart to Jesus if you're willing to turn away from the wrong that's in your life and put your faith in Christ you can begin to experience your life of faith this morning Uh, join with us as we pray this prayer let's pray together say dear Jesus I believe you are the son of God that you loved me so much you went to the cross and took my punishment I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen.